The following message is from the audio ministry of Coastal Community Church. We trust you'll find it helpful and encouraging. Now, here's Pastor Chris Rollins. So ladies, I know what you're thinking. I already heard it rumbling this morning as soon as it, as soon as it came on. Pastor Chris, you said that this year was chick flicks and uh, date nights, and uh, robots are not chick flicks. So um, I hear you loud and clear, but, but three things. Number one, today is Father's Day, so I don't want to miss an opportunity to speak directly to the men. Uh, number two, Mark Wahlberg is in the movie, lady, so, you know, there's that, you know. Okay, I wasn't expecting all the cheers for that, but anyway. Um, and number three, this is probably most important, this is my kind of thinking today, uh, if you are married or you're in a dating relationship, surely by now you have learned that when it comes to movies, a little give and take, a little compromise, if you will, is required. In other words, you know, I go see Beauty and the Beast with Janet, she'll go see Fast and Furious 8 with me, right? Little compromise. So it's, so it's really not necessarily the, you know, the, the uh, chick flick genre as it is the date night genre. Um, I know that's a stretch, but you know, the, the Transformer series is really a love story anyway. It's a classic story of a man and the love of his robot. So um, uh, no, this, this latest installment, by the way, and I bet, raise your hand if you've seen any of the Transformer movies. I, pretty, pretty much. And you realize that this, uh, this series has earned over like around $4 billion. I, oh my goodness. It's amazing. Uh, this latest installment actually uh, is released this coming Wednesday. So the storyline for this movie is that all the humans are at war, of course, with the Transformers. And as you saw, Optimus Prime is gone. And the key to saving the future lies buried within the secrets of the past and the hidden history of Transformers on planet Earth. But now it's up to this unlikely alliance of heroes that will rise up. Uh, Cade Yeager, played by Mark Wahlberg, uh, Bumblebee. Uh, Anthony Hopkins is in the movie, plays an English lord, and an Oxford professor, uh, Laura Haddock. And they all, you know, align together uh, to save the world. Now, what's the tie-in? To me, there's an obvious tie-in. There is a war today being waged for the heart and soul of men. And uh, I really believe that God is looking for real men. Uh, Men to rise up and to be a hero, to be a knight. Um, Listen to me, Coastal. Do not settle for being a typical man today. Uh, We don't need typical men. In fact, listen to King David's words, his final words to his son Solomon uh, in 1 Kings chapter 2 as he lay on his deathbed. Listen to this. As the time of King David's death approached, he gave this charge to his son Solomon. I'm going where everyone on earth must someday go. Take courage and be a man. You know, why in the world would David look at his son and say, take courage and be a man? I think David knew that there is a battle going on for the heart of every man. It was true back then, and I believe today in 2017, it is also true. Ladies, if you are married, I challenge you to begin or to keep praying for the heart of your husband. 
If you're in a dating relationship, I challenge you to pray for the heart of your boyfriend. If you, you are single and you are looking for a man, I, I challenge you to pray for the heart of that man that one day you will meet. Uh, if you have children, if you have young boys, I pray that, that you would be begin praying for their heart now. Pray that God would open their heart to understand the truth of God's word, that they might grow a pair and they might be a man. In 1 Corinthians uh, 16, 13, listen to what Paul said. Listen to this. Be on your guard. Stand firm in the faith. Listen to this. Be men of courage. Be strong. Here's the Apostle Paul basically saying the same thing that David said. Be strong. Now why? Well, I believe that he looked around in his day and time and he saw that men were not walking in the strength that, they were, that, that's, that was given to them. And it's true today. You know, guys will never say this, but uh, you know, we don't want to admit this. But we want to know that we are strong. And what I mean by that is that we have what it takes. You know, every little boy grows up wanting to be a man. But the reality today is that far too many men are looking uh, to all the wrong things to define their manhood. And so from an early age, we were told things like, you know, growing up, that if you can just, you know, get the right job, uh, drive the right car, sleep with enough girls, then you will be a man. And the reality is none of those things define what a real man is, what God's man is. Ladies, let me let you in on a little secret about your man. You know what the number one need of every man is? No, it's not sex. Um, that's what we project, uh, and it's not chicken wings, okay? Um, the number one need of every man, I think, is affirmation, encouragement. You know, every man wants to know, every guy wants to know, you know, am I strong? Am I man enough? Do, do I have what it takes? And the truth is, most men play for the audience of the loudest applause. And ladies, that's why it is so, so important that you affirm your man, that you encourage your man. I, I know we've done this before. It's a very scientific survey, very scientific experiment. But ladies, if you're sitting next to a guy, right now I want you to reach over and grab his arm. Right now, go ahead and do that. Go ahead and do that right now. Now, uh, before you grabbed his arm, every guy in this room flexed his muscle, Okay. <laughs> That, that is a true scientific uh, experiment. Uh, girls don't do that. Uh, you don't. But, but here's the thing. Here's the problem. We have tried to define our strength, our manhood, through all these ways, and the Bible says something different. The Bible says that our strength uh, comes from him. And we are living in a world today that has robbed men of their true identity, and we've been given this confusing picture of what it looks like to be a man. And quite honestly, the picture that we've been given and the picture of the culture does not look like the picture that we've been given in Scripture. And so I want you to, I want you to see a better picture. Did you know that the Bible says that you were created in the very image of God? You were created in the image of your heavenly Father. A, a holy, almighty God. 
However, so many men today have this false picture of God, and they, they view God as distant, as a you know, doting grandfather in a rocking chair, kind of set things into motion and doesn't really care anymore, just kind of a weak uh, uh, individual. Listen, if you want to know what God looks like, You've really got to look at Jesus. But again, that's the problem. The truth is, so many people have this picture of Jesus in their mind that looks like it was torn out of a a children's Bible or or a flannel graph, and and that Jesus is some sort of effeminate, sheep-carrying sissy man. And no guy ever grows up thinking, I want to be like that. But I think it's time that we get a new image, a truer image of Jesus, because the Jesus that I read about in the Bible was a real man, a a man's man, a total man, a complete man. He did. He worked with his hands. Uh, He was a carpenter. There's an incident in Scripture where he flipped over the tables and cleared out a crowd from the temple with a whip because he was so outraged. He called people out, but... He also wasn't afraid to show his emotions. He wasn't afraid to love the unlovely, to reach out to people that nobody else would reach out to. He stood up for what he believed in. He took a beating, the likes of which you and I could hardly fathom. He carried a cross, a cross, a huge big tree on his shoulders up a hill called Calvary, and he hung on it, and he died for your sin and for mine. That is Jesus. And men, you were made in that image. You were not created to be a passive wimp or a macho maniac. Don't let the world shrink you down into their mold of what a man should be. Don't let anybody revoke your man card. You are not a coward. You are not weak. But you are also not an animal who has no control over his urges. You were created in the image of of a holy, loving God. So here's what I want us to do today on Father's Day. I want us to look at an example of a couple of guys, a couple of men in Scripture, two role models that we as men can emulate, that we can try to be like. Their names are Timothy and Epaphroditus. And we read about them in Philippians uh, chapter two. We actually went through Philippians this year Uh, in our series on joy, but I save this passage for Father's Day. And this is gonna be a pretty strong message today for men, but ladies, don't worry, your week is coming next Sunday, okay? That's all I'm saying, don't miss next Sunday. These are the kind of men that I think can really make a difference in the world. In fact, in Philippians 2.20, Paul basically, he says, I've got no one else Uh, like Timothy. In other words, he's one of a kind. And then later he says about Epaphroditus, honor men like him. And so I want us to talk about some values that I think God is looking for in, in real men based on the lives of these two men and the example that they set in, in scripture. Number one, God is looking for men of compassion, men of compassion who put people before prophets. You know, compassion uh, is putting the needs of others ahead of our own. And Timothy is a great example of that. In verses 20 and 21, it says this, I have no one else like him who takes a genuine interest in your welfare. For everyone else 
uh, everyone looks out for his own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. Let me ask you guys, is it possible to get so wrapped up, so committed uh, to your business, to your work, to your schedule, that you actually forget about your family? That you forget about relationships? That you forget that you have a higher purpose for living? Listen to the Phillips translation of this verse. It says, they're all wrapped up in their own affairs. That describes a lot of people today and a lot of men. You know, I'd like to help, I'd like to do something, but I'm too busy. I'd like to pray with my kids, but I just don't have the time. I'd like to play ball with my son. I'd like to have a, a date day with my, with my daughter or my children, but I, I just don't, I got too many other things going on. A great example of a man of compassion, of course, is the Good Samaritan. Uh, in Luke chapter 10. Uh, most of you know the story. The modern version uh, goes something like this. A man was on a business trip uh, from Jerusalem to Jericho along the road. He finds somebody uh, who's been mugged and left for dead. He stops and he cares for this guy, gives uh, some first aid. He takes him down to the local uh, Holiday Inn Express. Uh, he checks him in and they, he gives the guy uh, his gold card and says, charge it to my account. Compassion for a total stranger. And I read that story and I think to myself, you know, hey, would, would I do that uh, for a stranger? You know, take care of somebody's needs, kind of go above and beyond. You know, God is looking for men like that, right? Men of compassion who put people before prophets. But let's, let's get really practical today. Because, you know, sometimes it's easy to say, yeah, sure. You know, Pastor Chris, I'd do that for a stranger, you know, away from home, no strings attached, never have to see them again. You know, absolutely, I'd do that. I think the real question for us today is this. Are you willing to put the people in your home, your wife, your children, the people that you see every day, their needs ahead of your own? Are you, are you willing to, you know, to rise above and to put them first, you know, above making a buck, above, you know, your, your work? Are you willing, you know, to say no to one more business appointment, no to meeting your own needs, yes to playing with your kids, uh, yes to a date night with your wife, yes to discovering and meeting my family's needs? Listen, men, if you don't hear this loud and clear, I promise you something, I guarantee you that your wife, your children, your family, they will become strangers in your home. And they will feel like that they've been mugged and they've been left on the side of the road. When are we going to learn that the greatest things in life are not things, they're people, relationships? Number two. God is looking for men of consistency, men of consistency who put character before conformity. Men of consistency who put character before conformity. In other words, they're not afraid to stand out from the culture around them. They're not afraid to take a stand. They're not afraid to be different. They're not afraid to, to stand alone for what they believe in. They're, they put character before conformity. Verse 22, but you know that Timothy has proved himself because as a son with his father, he has served with me in the work of the gospel. 
The word proved there, by the way, you know what it means? It means tested character. He's talking about integrity. Man, integrity is an endangered species today. We live in a world where there really is no more right and wrong. You know, you just do what feels right to you. You know, last week, remember we talked about holding up the word of God as our authority. And that you either stand over it or you stand under it and you submit to it and you humble yourself to it. And character is saying, you know what? There is right and wrong. God's word tells us. You know, not this do whatever feels right. You know, do whatever you gotta do to climb the ladder. If you gotta lie, cheat, and steal to get there, then so be it. Now the sad truth is you turn on the news today, you see an awful lot of politicians lacking integrity. But you guess, guess what? You see a lot of pastors as well lacking integrity. Here's a good definition of integrity. It's not a blank on your outline, but you might write this down. It's who you are when nobody's looking. It's who you are when, you know, the crowd is gone, when, when, when you're by yourself. Uh, it, it's when the private you and the pu- public you are identical. Integrity is you not having to look over your shoulder and wonder, you know, who's looking, who's listening, who's watching. By the way, if you have children, men, they're watching you 24-7. You know, my prayer for me, is that I am the same Chris Rollins on this stage with you that I am in my home with my wife and my family. You know, if if your life were to be aired on the six o'clock news or if your life were to be put up on these screens, would you freak out? If the language and the voice and the attitude that you use with your children and your wife were to be broadcast for all to hear, Single guys, if your last date were to be put up on the screen, would you freak out? The Bible says in Proverbs 10, 9, the man of what? The man of integrity walks securely, but he who takes crooked paths will be found out. Men, the bottom line for manhood really is integrity. True success, godly success, is, is built over the long haul on character, not on image. The man of integrity walks securely. In other words, he's not afraid of being found out. You see, the question is, is your private life, is my private life consistent with what people see every day? If it's not, eventually, you will be found out. Listen to this. Inconsistent fathers produce insecure children. Inconsistent fathers produce insecure children. Inconsistent husbands produce unstable marriages. God is looking for men of compassion and men of consistency. Number three, God is looking for men of commitment who put the cause of Christ before comfort. Men of commitment who put the cause of Christ before comfort. You know, Paul uses Epaphroditus as an example of this, and he says, he is your messenger 
whom you sent to take care of my, my needs. Indeed, he was ill, and what does it say? He almost what? He almost died. But God had mercy on him. Now, what's going on here? Paul, if you remember from our, our series on Philippians, he was in prison in Rome, and the church at Philippi took up an offering to help Paul out with his expenses and to take care of him. Now, Paul was about 800 miles away, about a six-week travel over very rough terrain. And basically in the church, Epaphroditus raises his hand. He says, hey, I'll do it. I'll go. I'm your man. You can count on me. And then at great personal expense, he travels 800 miles to Rome. And then get this, somewhere, somehow along the way, he gets a disease or some sort of an infection and he almost dies. Have you ever been sick while you're away on a trip? You know, you, you know how miserable that is, right? So imagine this, he's away from home, he's away from his own surroundings, away from the comfortability of his own life, but Epaphroditus is persistent, he is committed. In spite of his own personal pain, he says, you know what, I got a job to do. And I made a commitment, I gave my word, I am going to get it done. I don't care how, how I feel, the cause of the kingdom, the cause of Christ comes before my own personal comfort. I meet a lot of people and, and many men who are great starters. Man, I got a great idea, we're gonna go for this, you know, we're gonna try this, we're gonna, we're gonna do that. But then they never follow through and they don't finish. And many times the reason is they quit because it becomes inconvenient. It becomes a little expensive. It costs them something. It, it's a little uncomfortable or it requires hard work or effort. The fact is, men, listen to this. Taking up your cross and being a follower of Jesus is costly. There is a price tag. There will always be a price tag. And God is looking for men, real men, who are willing to pay the price. Listen, if you want to serve the church, if you want to serve Jesus and, and his kingdom without any cost, you can forget it. You know, if you want to grow as a disciple of Jesus without it ever costing you anything, you are crazy. You know, stay at home with the other wimps, turn on your television, go fishing, or go to St. Mattress on Sunday morning. Because God is looking for real men, committed men, who are willing to put the cause of Christ, the kingdom of God, the church of Jesus Christ, before their own comfort. Epaphroditus said, you know, he, or he didn't say, hey, you know, I'd like to help, but it's not convenient for me right now. You know, I'm a little busy. You know, I need my sleep. You know, the game is on. No. You know what he said? I'll take it. I'm your man. I'll do it. Count on me. And he took an 800-mile journey, got sick along the way, and nearly died, but he completed the task. Man, that's what I call a man of commitment. He finishes what he starts. Listen, spiritual awakenings in a culture, in a church, in a society happen when men rise up and become participators and not just spectators. They are men of action. They are men of commitment. They put the cause of Jesus 
before their own personal comfort. Number four, God is looking for men of courage. Men of courage who put service before security. Service before security. See, today's value system says, well, you know, do everything you can, build up your nest egg. You want to provide security for yourself. And, and the whole goal in life becomes to be secure. And, you know, we say it in different ways. You know, I want to be financially independent. I want to be secure. And then, again, security becomes the goal of life rather than service, rather than others, rather than the kingdom. And God is looking for men, courageous men, who are willing to step out in faith and to risk something for the kingdom of God, who are willing to serve God with reckless abandonment, who live and walk by faith. Look at verses 29 through 30. Listen to this. Welcome him in the Lord with great joy and honor men like him because he almost died for the work of Christ. What's the next word? Risking. Risking his life to make up for the help that you couldn't give me. The word risking there in Greek, it literally means hazarding his own life. It's actually a gambling term, a gambling term that, that means to, to stake everything you got on the roll of a dice. In other words, Epaphroditus gambled everything, risked everything for the kingdom of God, for the gospel. He risked his own life. Some of you might be saying, Pastor Chris, you're coming on really strong this morning. Do you know why? I'll tell you why. Because in churches all across our country, they are filled with what you might call today wimp religion. Okay? There's no goals, no purpose, no challenges. You know, for, for a lot of people today, Christianity is simply a series of meetings where you go to a, a meeting, come and sit and soak and drink some good coffee and go home. And there's no challenge anymore. There's no challenge to men to rise up and to be the man that God calls them to be. And one of my fears for our church is that we will become a nice, sweet little church where we come in and we talk about some things that are really nice and we walk out of here without ever challenging and changing this world, without ever beating down the gates of hell and rescuing people one life at a time, without walking by faith, without attempting great things for God. Listen, why? Why do you think there are so many bored, unfulfilled men going through midlife crisis? I heard the other day of a quarter-life crisis. Are you serious? Listen, why are so many men doing that? I'll tell you why. You know why? They're not risking anything for Jesus. You stop walking by faith, you will die. You don't have anything left to live for. They have no challenges bigger, no goals bigger than themselves rather than just bringing home a paycheck. I know too many men, excuse me, too many boys who don't even have enough guts to tithe because they're so worried about their security. How in the world can I make it on 90%? I can't afford to do that. I got to be secure. Shame on you. Mark 8, 35. If you try to keep your life for yourself, you're going to lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake and for the sake of the good news, you will find true life. Men, do you want to live? Then you go for broke with Jesus. That's exactly what he's saying. Lay it on the line, give up your life, give up whatever it takes and say, I'm gonna sacrifice this. I'm gonna walk by faith. I'm gonna get on my hands and knees and beg God to give me a vision bigger than myself and then I'm gonna trust him and I'm gonna walk by faith and then you'll know what it means to really live. You want a challenge, you want something bigger than yourself to live for, I'll give it to you. It's called the church. 
It's called the body of Jesus. It's called the bride of Jesus, the kingdom of God. It is the hope of the world. Not a politician, not a party, not somebody else. It is the Lord Jesus Christ. And people around this world are either alive in Jesus or, listen to me, the Bible says they are dead in their sin. And God is calling you. He's wanting to use you and me to bring people to him, to help help them cross over from death to life. We are to live our entire lives as missionaries, where you live, where you work, where you play. Stop complaining about where you live, where you work, where you play, because God's got you there for a reason and for a season, to be his man, to be his woman, to share the gospel with this world. We are to be praying, building relationships, inviting people to church, sharing the good news. We are to be the feet and the hands of Jesus in a hurting and dying world. That's what keeps me going. That's what we live for. Listen, I do, I feel strong about what I'm saying today. And I think in 2017 here at Coastal, God is looking for men of consistency, of commitment, of compassion, and of courage. There is a sad, sad, tragic commentary found in Paul's first statement about Timothy in verse 20. He said, I have nobody else like him. My question is, why? Why aren't there more men of God out there? Men, the greatest challenge you will ever face in your life is to live for Jesus in front of your wife, in front of your family, in front of your friends, and in front of your coworkers. And the question you gotta ask yourself is this. Am I man enough to do that? And when you look at your life as a man, how much is it really going to count 10 years from now, 50 years from now? You know, is it really going to make a difference? I want my life to count. And I think there's a lot of men here today that want, to do, that want that as well. Some of you men need to have the courage to finally humble yourself and ask Jesus Christ to be your Savior and to be your Lord. That's where it starts. You can't be God's man unless you start as God's child. And he's wanting to, he's ready to, he's, he's wanting to adopt you into his family, but you've got to bow the knee, you've got to humble yourself, you've got to admit what, what's obvious you know, for everybody, and you know it in your heart that you're a sinner and you've, you've walked away from God and you want to come back home. And if you would admit that and you would ask his son Jesus to come into your life by faith, and to be your savior, to be your Lord, to forgive you of your sins. He will, he will adopt you into his forever family. He will make the slate uh, <laughs> clean. He will forgive all of your sin. You will be his child, saved forever in his forever family, a home in heaven, ready for you. And he'll give you a cause worth living for right here and now, and he'll give you the power to do it. And you can have that if you'll humble yourself and come home. And I just want to pray for the men who are in this room today as well. Some of you have already made that decision, but the truth is at times you kind of walk away from that. 
And it's time for you to come home. It's time for you to stand up and to be a man. And if you're a lady here with us today, if you're married, if you're single, again, I pray that you will, I want to challenge you to pray for the heart of your man. Bow your heads and pray with me. Dear Heavenly Father, God, today I do thank you for your word. I thank you for men like Timothy and Epaphroditus. And God, I thank you for the many men that you put in my life over the years that I could look up to and, and see what um, a godly man looks like. Thank you for all the men here in this church who are great, uh, great husbands, great dads, who are men of courage and commitment and consistency and um, who live for Jesus in a day-in, day-out basis in front of their friends, family, and uh, coworkers. But Father, I want to pray for that man or that woman, that student who's here today and is ready to come home is ready to humble themselves before you and admit what they already know in their heart. And that is that there's something separating them from you. And they can't do anything about it. They can't be a better person. They can't, you know, earn it or work for it. Um, it. It only comes through Jesus. And Jesus has already done all that's necessary to bridge that gap. He went to the cross, he rose from the dead, and he is alive. And so if you're ready, just ask him. Say, Father, forgive me. I want to come home. I want to be your child, your son, your daughter. I believe that Jesus really is your son that he went to the cross to pay for my sin that he was laid in a tomb and three days later he rose from the dead and he is alive. It was witnessed by hundreds of people. It was recorded in history. It turned the world upside down and it still is. And I believe. And now God, for the rest of my days, I, I simply want to relax in your grace. I want to become more and more like you see me now, forgiven, brand new, clean. I want to I want to live for you because there's no better way to live. I want to be your man. I want to be your woman. I want to follow Jesus now. And Father, I do, I pray for the fathers and the husbands that we live a life worthy of the calling that we have. May you empower and strengthen the homes and the families and the marriages. And I pray for these guys, God that together we would rise up and we would change this world. We would, we would beat down the gates of hell. We would rescue people. We would lift up Jesus and point people to him. We would advance your kingdom day by day by day. Father, we love you. I pray all these things today in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. You've been listening to a message from Pastor Chris Rollins of Coastal Community Church. For more information about Coastal or to explore what your next step of faith might look like, check us out online at coastalcommunitychurch.org. From Pastor Chris and the family at Coastal Community Church, thanks for listening.